Every Monday, uh, we talk New South Wales politics with David Shoebridge. Good morning, David. Yeah, good morning, Marcus. Nice to talk to you, mate. Now, uh, today, let's have a look at the Public Accountability Committee hearing that you chair, looking into the uh, transport asset holding entity. This is a scheme, of course, cooked up by the Coalition to put the $40 billion worth of state government's transport assets, basically all the rail lines, trains and land that they are on, into a state-owned corporation. Now, the reason they did this was to try and cook up a $6 billion pretend improvement in the state budget, David. Yeah, yeah, this, this it sounds really dry. You know, you've got, uh, you're talking about moving all the assets from one part of government to another, um, it, but it's actually some of the most critical assets we have. Think of all the rail lines, all the land that's on them, all the trains. It's about $40 billion worth of uh, assets, and they did it not to make rail safer, not to add a single extra dollar of investment into our rail lines. They did it all as a part of an accountancy trick um, to try and make about a $6 billion improvement in the state's budget over the forward estimates. And basically what it does is instead of having the money that they would otherwise spend being seen as, as an expense, as a capital expense, they can put it off into this pretend uh, independent entity and, and classify it as an investment and then it, it's treated differently on the accountancy books. The, yeah. the problem is that um, the accountancy standards would suggest that, that that's actually an unlawful way of doing it. And, and, and what that means is that unless they can persuade a bunch of highly paid consultants and they can persuade the Auditor General about this dodgy accountancy trick, they're going to have about a $6 billion turnaround in their budget. And, and that is going to expose just how, how what, what a bunch of kind of dodgy economic managers the New South Wales Coalition has. They haven't been getting us in the, re, in, in the black in the budget in the past because of actually good uh, economic management. One of the big ways they did it was with this very dodgy accountancy trick. All right, well, the scheme has been described by the former New South Wales Auditor-General Tony Harris as a rort an economic gimmick and a vehicle for deception. The government has spent millions of dollars on a gaggle of consultants to advise them on Tahi. In some cases, it hired them without even going to tender. Yeah, and we're going to hear from one of those consultants this morning in the inquiry. Um, I'm pretty sure somebody the state government would rather we didn't hear from um, who, who pushed back throughout this entire process and, and asked the questions we'll be asking about how on earth can you be pushing something through like this. Now, if it was just about dodgy accounting, and I say just, just about, you know, a $6 billion pretend um, um, uh, change in, in the state accounts, that would be really bad. But uh, as, as we look into this more deeply, it turns out that the way they've cooked up this scheme actually puts at risk passenger safety. Yeah. It puts at risk the investment into the kind of uh, um, ongoing maintenance that we need in the, in the rail assets. And, and so it's not just an accountancy trick. It's also a real issue about passenger and staff safety going forward. Just on uh, transport, we know that there are issues, of course, with the Inner West uh, tram line, if you like. And, um, of course, Rob Stokes has come out in the press in the last 24 hours saying that no Australian companies had bid to build light rail vehicles for New South Wales. We, we know that significant fractures have been found in the 12 
tram sets that run between Dulwich Hill and also uh, Central. That means that uh, line is now out of service for a ridiculous 18 months. What on earth is going on with Transport for New South Wales? There's the trams, there's the trains that were we had some issues with, of course, the ferries. Uh, yeah. What's happening here, Dave? I still remember when they bought trains from overseas about 10 years ago. Um, that, that wouldn't fit through the tunnels. Remember that? And they, um, they had to change the... the, 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 um, the, the, the and, and, and it was just unbelievable what's been happening. And what we're seeing is this, this push to get the lowest price contract that they possibly can, regardless of the amount of Australian content, regardless of the amount of Australian jobs, and regardless of whether or not the project ends up being fit for purpose. Now, we can build trains in Australia. We can build light rail in Australia. In fact, there's a... There's a there's a, an enormous tradition, particularly up around the Hunter, Absolutely. Of, doing, of doing exactly that. But the problem is we have a state government that's having a race to the bottom. And, and they, can, they, they, they have a short-term saving in the budget by contracting this out to overseas firms when they, when, they, when they buy the original rail stock. And then we end up paying the cost in the long run because, because it doesn't meet the Australian standards. And I cannot believe that they're talking about 18 months to fix these light rails. I mean, it's just beggar's belief. What are the people in the inner west going to do? And I, I support the call of the inner west mayor, Rochelle Porteous, to say at a minimum there's got to be a fleet of free public buses to go and replace these light rail assets so people can still, you know, get to the HSC over the next, um, over the next few weeks and get to work. Well, that's the issue as well. Um, we've got a number of students going to sit their HSC, um, and there are a whole range of issues surrounding that. Uh, what, what do you make, just on that, what do you make of the uh, the fact that um, the kids sitting the HSC this year will need to wear masks? I've uh, received a number of emails of complaint saying, what about you know the, the poor kids who... I mean, I wear glasses when I'm reading text, and I'm sure a lot of kids sitting in the HSC do. I can't wear a mask while I'm wearing my glasses. Yeah, well, I've fogged up on more than one occasion, that's mm. for sure, um, with my glasses and a mask. Look, I think, again, we need to be guided by the public health advice. Um, I think if, 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 any, if any student has a, a medical reason why they can't wear a mask, well, absolutely, there should be a very rapid way of resolving that. But if the public health advice is saying this is the best way of keeping kids safe, um, well, I think we need to take that on board. And, and you know, this is we're all getting pretty, much, pretty used to wearing masks um, and it's probably going to be a thing we're going to have to keep, uh, you know, keep, keep doing in certain indoor settings for the foreseeable future because, you know, the pandemic has not gone away. We need to make each yeah. other safe. But, uh, look, I mean, I, my heart goes out to all the HSC students. Um, what a year they've had. And I just want to make sure, and we've been continuing to do this through budget estimates, so I want to make sure that those students who were particularly hard hit in the lockdown in Western and Southwestern Sydney, that there are mechanisms in place so that their HSC won't be damaged. Um, schools that have been locked down and, and students that have lost months and months and months and months of face-to-face learning, there needs to be a mechanism so that we, we adjust their scores in the HSC so that they're not, they're not going to see their future damaged by, by, by this pandemic and we're going to keep a very close eye on how the New South Wales government does that. It makes it fair for everyone. Yeah. Now, uh, it was a little um, 
uh, heated last week uh, in estimates when you discussed uh, some issues with the new Premier Dominic Perrottet and of course it was all surrounding pork barrelling. Now I don't know why uh, the Premier and even Matt Keane to an extent refused to just formally outlaw if you like uh, pork barrelling. I mean they made no commitments to it. Um, it basically accounts to a, amounts to a refusal of the new Premier to commit to make pork barrelling illegal. He said he was proud of the way $252 million was pork barrelled in the Stronger Communities Fund, of course, where the former Premier's office shredded the documents that saw money shoveled to councils in coalition seats. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the new Premier is telling everybody that he's never supported pork barrelling, that he doesn't support pork barrelling, and he wants a review into pork barrelling. Well, you know, I'm glad that they're getting a review. Um, I, I find it a little hard, you know, this conversion he's had on the road to Macquarie Street in the last few weeks, um, because he was the treasurer when all of this money was put aside into these huge funds that got pork barrels, you know, the $252 million given to coalition councils, for example, or the 180 to $280 million that was pork barrelled into coalition seats during the, um, the extremity of the response to the bushfires. Um, you know, he's been the facilitator-in-chief of pork barrelling for years and years and years, and now he says he doesn't support it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab that and say, OK, you don't support pork barrelling. Yeah. Great, nor do we. Mm-hmm. So I said, will you make it illegal? You know, you, you can go to jail for stealing a chocolate bar, yep. but you can't go to jail for rorting $250 million of public money. Well, let's, have a, let's have a little yeah. listen to some of the exchange from last week. Treasurer for four years, eight months and six days. At any point, can you point to a single statement you made uh, opposing your government's pork barrelling projects during those four years, eight months and six days as Premier, as, as Treasurer? I'm not going to accept the premise in the question. You were the Treasurer no, but, for four years, I, eight I, months I, and six days. As, as Treasurer, as Treasurer of, of the state, I'm very proud of our... Uh, track record in investing in communities right across New South Wales. Uh, We've gone from a period of time where there wasn't the financial capacity of the state to invest in uh, community infrastructure that's made a difference to people's lives. I'm I'm very proud of my track record as Treasurer. Well, Premier, you've come out recently um, and said that you've never supported pork barrelling. Is that right? I was asked a question at a press conference in relation to, um, do I support pork barrelling? And I said no. Well, did you support it during the four years, eight months and six days you were Treasurer? No. Well, one of the biggest pork barrel um, schemes that your government rolled out was the scandalous $252 million in the Stronger Communities um, scheme, where money was pork barrelled to coalition councils and then the former Premier shredded the documents and destroyed the electronic records about how it was allocated. Right. Um, Do you remember that big pork barrel scandal? Well, I, I, I'm not agreeing with the premise of how you're describing it. I certainly remember the, the issues in relation to the Stronger Communities Fund and, um, and the concerns that were raised at the time, yes. It was wrong, wasn't it? What your government did in the way it allocated those monies without a business case, destroying the records for partisan advantage, that was wrong, wasn't it? Well, governments should never invest for partisan advantage. Well, we'll leave it there. Governments should never invest for partisan advantage, but all the evidence seems to point, David, that that is exactly what happened. Yeah, and I've got to say, sometimes budget estimates feels like, you know, pin the tail on the jellyfish. It just keeps moving and they refuse to answer the obvious question. But 
you know, I pushed him and said, will you, will you commit to making mm. pork barrelling illegal? And he just dodged and weaved. So yeah. I believe the public wants pork barrelling to be illegal. I think they want MPs to be held to account. You know, as I said, if you can go to jail for stealing a chocolate bar, but yeah. you can't go to jail for a gross misuse of a quarter of a billion dollars of public money, something's really wrong. One thing that stood out uh, in that conversation that you had with uh, with the Premier, and you, ref- you reflected on his time as Treasurer, and he said that he was very proud of his time as Treasurer, and that, um, you know, up until that point, they hadn't had all of this money, you know, this taxpayer money, to invest in communities and invest into councils that had been merged, all the rest of it. Nobody disputing that. It's wonderful that all that money was available. What the dispute is, is how that money was dispersed. Uh, you know, the fact that it went to a vast majority of LNP-held seats and was pork-barrelled, effectively, to keep the government in power. That's what people have concerns about. Yeah, and, and I think what when I talk to... You know, members of the public who, I've got to say, contact me a lot about this. They keep pointing out this one essential fact, that it was never Dominic Perrottet's money. It was never Gladys, Gladys Perigiglia money. It's always been public money. And, and to treat it like it's this private plaything of the Liberal Party or the National Party to just go where it's going to suit them is not only offensive, I think it, it, it erodes our faith in democracy, it erodes our faith in government, and also there's the... The opportunity cost, you know, 100 million going here, 200 million going there. I have groups like um, women's shelters contacting me and saying they desperately need $300,000 yeah. just to keep the lights on, just to save, um, you know, to, to ensure that women fleeing violence and, and families fleeing violence have somewhere safe to go. And with $300,000, that can make a fundamental difference to an organisation. And and when they see $5.5 million shoveled off to a gun club over here or $20 million over here or $200 million over here, and, and the opportunity cost, where that means the money can't go, I mean, that's truly sickening. Yep. All right, David, always good to catch up. We'll talk further uh, next week and have a good week. I look forward yes. to, to following uh, yourself and others uh, holding the government to account, as always. Yes.